In 586 BC, the Jewish people were separated from their land and cut off from their temple when they were carried off into exile in Babylon. Devout Jews wanted to know how to apply the law of Moses in their new and strange surroundings. Desperate to retain their Jewish identity, they turned to men called scribes whose job it had been to copy and preserve God's written word. Pharisees were called to teach the law and apply its principles in practical, definable terms. As time went on, this initial desire to honors, honor God's law took on a life of its own. Practical guidelines became tradition, and tradition took on the nature of law. Eventually, few distinguished between traditions of the elders and the law of God. Jewish life became governed by hundreds and hundreds of rules, regulations, standards, and guidelines. The idea of having a personal relationship with God became inconceivable. God was to be obeyed, not enjoyed. Today, we find Jesus accepting the invitation to dine with yet another Pharisee. We learn nothing from Luke about this Pharisee who extended the invitation. Like last week, we would like to think that this invitation was genuine, but scripture is showing us a pattern of suspicion on the side of uh, the religious leaders. Because of this, it's likely that the host wanted to challenge Jesus in a more controlled setting. No one ever dared to challenge the Pharisees or question their oral traditions passed down from their forefathers. Jesus uses this moment as an opportunity. Please pray with me. Lord, before this world's days even began, your word was in the beginning. And it was with you, and it was you. The mystery of that brings us to our knees. Yet today, you allow us to open your word and know you better. So we ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Give us hearts open to your spirit as we seek you. Amen. Listen to the word of God. While he was speaking, a Pharisee invited him to dine with him. So he went in and took his place at the table. The Pharisee was amazed to see that he did not first wash before dinner. Then the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools! Did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? So give us alms, those things that are within, and then everything will be clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and herbs of all kinds and neglect justice and the love of God. It is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love to have the seat of honor in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces. 
Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves on which people unknowingly walk. One of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us too. And he said, Woe also to you, experts in the law, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not lift a finger to ease them. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your ancestors killed. So you are witnesses and approve of the deeds of your ancestors, for they killed them and you build their tombs. For this reason, the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that this generation may be charged with the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be charged against this generation. Woe to you, experts in the law, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. When he went outside, the scribes and the Pharisees became hostile to him and began to interrogate him about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Max Lucado wisely wrote, Legalism is the search for innocence, not forgiveness. It's a systematic process of defending self, explaining self, exalting self, and justifying self. The obsession with legalism, self, not God. Legalism has no pity on people. Legalism makes my opinion your burden, makes my opinion your boundary, and makes my opinion your obligation. The Pharisees had raised legalism to an art form, an exclusive art form at that. Today, Jesus accepts yet another invitation to dine with the Pharisee. You can imagine the shock when Jesus enters the host's house and immediately sits down at the table. The shock is not coming from an issue of hygiene, but of the apparent disregard for ceremonial traditions. Not washing before the meal was a provocative act, which is equivalent of refusing a handshake. Jesus addresses the issue with what we refer to today as an object talk. The object, a dirty cup. I have enlisted two lovely ladies to come up and volunteer to bring life to what Jesus is trying to teach us in today's words. So I'm going to invite Diana and Jeanette to come up. And they are going to wash. these very dirty cups. I'll let you ladies show them the inside of the cups. So. Okay. 
give you the towel and you can dry your cup and put it back at the table. ladies did you notice that they both had a similar method to cleaning their cup and I didn't they can can tell you that I didn't tell them how to clean their cup I just asked them to wash the cup but you can tell that they had a similar method neither of them that I observed cleaned the outside of the cup first and then acted like the cup was clean. They both started with the inside of the cup. Jesus, in his illustration, calls out the Pharisees with only being concerned with the ceremonial external defilements and not the inside, which is the heart. Jesus asked, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? The Pharisees were so caught up in outward purity that they gave no concern to inward purity. Jesus made it very clear, clean the inside first. Generosity of the heart will clean the inside of the heart. Jesus does not leave his teaching there, for he knows we, like the Pharisees, will justify ourselves and our actions like we possess clean hearts. Jesus exposes from the inside out so that we can all see who we truly are. Through the object lesson of the cup, Jesus shows us that our cup is not clean when we are more concerned about the rules we think are important than what God is important to God. The Pharisees were tithing with meticulous accuracy, but a love for God or a love for what is right was not at the center of it. They overlooked matters of justice, allowing their neighbors to suffer without an advocate, and they failed to love God as he wants to be loved. Patting themselves on the back for their diligent rule-keeping, the Pharisees merely posed as servants of God, but they neither knew God's heart nor cared to submit their desires to his will. For one reason or another, we sometimes fall into these same practices. Obeying rules should be the result of our love for God, not a replacement for our relationship with him. Jesus tells us our cup is not clean when we have a desire to be seen. The Pharisees wanted to be seen, period. They wanted people to know that they were doing good works, like fasting and tithing, for example. Sometimes it may seem innocent. You don't want people to know how much you're giving or what you are doing behind the scenes. You simply want them to know that you are participating, sometimes out of fear of judgment. But this is also wrong. The attention must always be placed on Jesus, not on us, no matter what the circumstances. 
Jesus shows us our cup is not clean when we become agents of defilement rather than mediators of redemption. Jesus gave the Pharisees obsession with ritual cleanliness an ironic twist when he called them unmarked graves. The Pharisees considered nothing more potentially defiling, defiling than a corpse, which they avoided at all costs. They believed that one became defiled even when one shadow crossed a dead body or a grave. Therefore, each spring, graves and tombs were whitewashed to make them highly visible to those passing by. By calling them unmarked graves, Jesus accused the Pharisees of leading God's people to become unclean in his eyes. When we cling to legalism instead of being agents of redemption, we are allowing ourselves to become unmarked graves. Jesus shows us that our cup is not clean when we burden others, but not ourselves. In verses 45 and 46, one of the Pharisees, other lunch guests, objected to the Lord's condemnation, reminding him that these men were merely carrying out what the lawyers or scribes, as we more familiarly know them as, had determined was genuine piety. Scribes dedicated their lives to meticulously copying the Hebrew scriptures to preserve them from decay and corruption. This scribe didn't voice his objection to express her feelings. He was mad. This was a warning. You attack one of us, you attack all of us. Jesus accused them of loading people with burdens hard to bear, all while not lifting a finger to ease them. The implication was that they purposely made the laws difficult to follow in order to bring about moral failures in others. These laws were based on laws handed down by God, but twisted and inflated to serve the desire of one group of people to dominate another. The teachers of the law created a system that allowed them to feel superior and then lifted not one finger to help others. They they created a system that only the wealthy could ever hope to maintain. In the case of ritual cleaning, you can't be ritually clean in a slum. Think of how this might play out today. Today's Pharisees condemn the poor for their dysfunctional families, but lift not one finger to help. Today's Pharisees might condemn the marginalized for excessive drinking, but lift not one finger to ease their pain. We must share the burdens of others, proclaiming and demonstrating God's transforming grace. Our cup is not clean, Jesus tells us, when we honor the people we are ignoring. Jesus told the Pharisees they were dishonoring the prophets by not listening to them and by the way they were living their lives, all while outwardly showing reverence for them. We, me included, at times, have the same rejecting spirit. We can dishonor the inspired writings of the apostles and prophets by our sin, all while coming here and acting like we honor God's word. 
finally, Jesus shows us that our cup is not clean when we fail to be a light in his, this world. Jesus named the scribes as ones holding the key of knowledge. And in this sense, they represented Israel as a whole. God called the descendants of Jacob to steward his law, to become a priestly nation, to mediate the relationship between himself and the nations, to shine the light of truth. But Israel squandered that birthright. They ignored the God of grace and reduced him to a petty, vindictive, cosmic accountant keeping a tally of righteous and evil deeds. They should have recognized Jesus as the Messiah on the spot, but he didn't fit their self-serving expectations. The scribes, Jesus said, were the key of knowledge, but they used that key to lock the door tight and hide it from all who God entrusted them to for entrance. We have failed if we don't open God's word and learn from it. But more importantly, we have failed if we do not share the good news of Jesus Christ because we have locked the door and hidden the key. Author Tim Chester tells the story of Saul and Pilar, a young couple he did ministry with in the slums of Mexico City. Saul was brought up in a good and proper evangelical church. Pilar was converted through a Bible study he was leading, and soon they started dating. Saul's mother disapproved. Pilar, to this day, wears high heels and short skirts. This is not how a good middle-class evangelical Christian is supposed to dress. Saul's mother noticed that Pilar had stopped attending church in the morning. Her suspicions about her son's girlfriend were confirmed. So one Sunday, Saul secretly followed Pilar. She took a bus across town to a poor neighborhood where she met an older man, and together they held an impromptu Sunday school on the pavement for slum children. After a while, Pilar came over to where Saul thought he was hiding and told him he may as well join in. Her explanation for absence from church, if Jesus is savior, he's the savior of these people as well. And your church is doing nothing to reach them. Saul said that was when he knew for sure he was, she was the woman for him. They began working with a local church in a poor neighborhood area. Saul and Pilar began reaching prostitutes and drug addicts, befriending them, serving their need, and sharing the gospel with them. Some of them started even coming to church. Then one Sunday morning, they turned up to find the building locked. The members of the church didn't want prostitutes and drug addicts corrupting their children. So without any consultation, they decided to move elsewhere. The culture gap between the church and the marginalized had proved too big for the church members. So Saul and Pilar started again. 
Someone gave them a garbage dump in a slum area on which they built an urban transformation center called Armonia. They didn't call it a church because of the negative connotations people from the slums had for the word, that word, after how they had been treated. This is a prime example, I believe, of Jesus's illustration, his object lesson of a clean cup and a dirty cup. When the Pharisees extend an invitation, it comes with expectations or requirements. You can, you can come if you get cleaned up or change. But Jesus's invitation is simple. You are invited to my party in the new creation. Come just as you are. Amen. <laughs>